Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast. We've just completed two podcasts with your glorious friend, Miss Love, mm -hmm. and you certainly weren't lying about him. He is a very positive, happy, friendly man. Yeah. As I was observing, and I can't remember who made the comment, but they were saying that he is pretty much just a professional spiritual vibe setter. <laughs> That's his profession. Does he even need to be spiritual? He's just a professional vibe setter. Yeah, he doesn't need to be spiritual, but I like career. the addition. That could be a new career. It is a career. There is definitely, I know people of people that get top dollar to do that to corporates that have no social game, just Didn't so they can observe how social people actually interact that aren't just sharks in suits. Wasn't that part of what you were doing when you were a model in your early 20s? The businessmen who were old and dull needed young models to make them seem interesting no they just wanted to have sex with the female models and so it was okay. just a thing of you can come along to the party <laughs> that's not a bad Making party them, well i suppose actually i was setting the vibe because it was just going along so that they felt more comfortable going to these like you know nightclub not that they'd need it anyway did you ever just swoop in and and take their uh their targets steal their thunder yeah What's the <clears throat> cock block them? Not really cock block them, but if they were, were, would the businessmen bring in specific models that they wanted to sleep with? Well, they'd definitely be, you know, was targeting it? them for the night or whatever. But I think that they just brought along all the models and were just like, yes, it's a party. Hey, baby, you want to get citizenship? Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of that because <laughs> that's, that's what a lot of Russians were doing in Asia. Wow. They, you know, here's, here's your choices in life. Live in a dirt floor hut or be married to a Singaporean billionaire. I'll choose the billionaire no matter how short and uninteresting he is. But that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> You're weighing it up. That's uh, <laughs> it's like an actual no, I'm, uh, I'm just thinking about the short thing. I That's a funny stat, isn't it? A lot of billionaires are really short. Yeah. I yeah. Know that. Is that true? Look, it's it makes those, sense. It's one of those statistics I feel like I just in the, like in the ether of my mind. I don't know where I actually heard it. But I would wager that that is true. And I'm basing this purely off of the fact that the phrase small man syndrome exists. You really like Why do you think uh, I work so hard? <laughs> Your gnome beard. Exactly. Now the beard, you know what the beard does? It gives you uh it gives you the look of having a bigger face. <laughs> Is that a move? <laughs> you go over Dollar Shave Club? Potentially. You getting from Dollar Shave Club or are you 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 a big man? No, I still stick with Gillette despite their horrendous advertising campaign. I do you know what? That really surprises me and I've got to say at this point you're the brave one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the quality is that good that however terrible the advertising campaign is, I'm, I'm sticking to them. I do miss that fourth layer of smoothness. You know, uh, ever since I made the switch to, what, what did I even fucking choose? Mac or something like that. It's I, just not the same. I actually use a, a Gillette razor to um, do the edges. <laughs> oh, fuck, people can hate this. Um, and then I use like a Philips electric razor to do the full beard. And mm -hmm. to just tidy that up. Was this because like the transition of the thing, or you've actually just shopped around and you realise like this one's for shaving, this one's for trimming? Uh, I just have two separate 
to <laughs> you stick one to for it, shaving or one habit. for trimming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Yeah. But you know what though? Like it is. Yeah. It's 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 a very it's a very definite statement. What is not the not the not the Gillette stuff? The fact that you have a beard. How how's you're it? saying something? But I don't know what it is. I'm just trying you're to tease it out of you. Oh, well, I don't know. So give me a, give the give give off the facade that I have a much larger jawline than I actually do. Is that the deal? Okay. Well, that's it. Definitely that's a good, does it. That's a positive byproduct. But I actually just like the overall look of yeah. the beard and the long hair. I must say, you do look like that meme of what a Chad looks like these days. And it is because of that beard. I like to think I influence that meme. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably what happened, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like, there might be some truth to that. Yeah? I think that you rocked it before I saw that meme. So, I'm just basing that off my own personal experience. Well, yeah. I'm sure someone watching my videos took it to the, um, the dark depths of Reddit and... They just circled. They had that image in their head, and then before you know it, it becomes a meme. <laughs> yeah. I've I've it's... single-handedly changed the look of a Chad because it should be that you look like a Persian king. There's very few things that are more Chad than well, you know those those real nepotism era ones. You know your Darius the Seconds and whatever. But before that, they mm. all had that. It was that beard. Mm. They really wanted that known in their in their tombs and stuff. Was, they, they had that style. I was the guy trying to take down Leonidas and 300. What was his name? You don't was want to be him. Well, the, the transsexual tall mummy man. <laughs> no, not in the movie, in actual history. <laughs> no, that's you don't want to be Xerxes. Don't worry about him. I don't? You want to be Darius the First, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm a bit old on that. Well, any Persian king would be good, right? But he lost, didn't he? Yeah, but you still... That's not very Chad. Yeah, but if you're a... Look, even if for 20 years you're a Persian king... It's not a bad life. And then you lose at the end. Ah, It's worth the 20 years of um, just an infinite harem. That infinite harem is good. Mainly that. I don't know what else there is. Exactly. He's so right. What else do you need? You basically are a Persian king. You have Tinder and you're really obsessed with your garden which is from a bunch of different plants from across the planet. And you have that beard. You have the same lifestyle as them with the added bonus of the fact that you have a PlayStation 3, which they did not. Four. <laughs> okay, there you go. You are lording it over them. And I got a cat. I'm sure they had many, many fucking cats. and they well, would have they had would those. have had a Persian cat. Yeah, and I don't sure. have that. <laughs> you got some but other mutt. than that... Okay, I'm a, I'm a Persian king. You know, you look like a beaten down Soviet soldier. Yeah, that's my look. Mm. You're so right about it too. That... You just have that really stoic, unfriendly face. <laughs> it's... Unfriendly but intriguing face. <laughs> you're, the, 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 you're the direct opposite of mislove. Which is weird because we're from the same ethnic gene pool, but you're right. He looks like a Chechen freedom fighter. He does. He looks like someone who would have been fighting against the Soviet Union. And you know what? In all honesty, that is really how our worldviews are different. Really? I reckon that if, if if I was in the Soviet Union, I'd be like, look, they had the bad shot. Give it another chance. And like he would have been on the front line suicide bombing soldiers in Afghan, you know? 
And he's, he's got that face as and well. And he would have been smiling while he did it. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's an adventure to miss, love. Mm. Well, it was uh, it was great getting to know him. And he talked about your uh, adolescence and who you were in high school from, yeah. from, from a different perspective. I thought that was really interesting. Um, what did you think of my... Uh, the way I perceived a lot of the the story arc that was occurring when the John Barilaro thing was at its height, which is that you <laughs> you are an individual, right? Well, you're the head of a small business, uh-huh. and you're competing in a marketplace, but you're providing a much more efficient product mm. and a better service to to showcase the corruption of a government that are clearly using their power for tyrannical ends. Shouldn't it be a conservative's wet dream, like that particular story arc there? Yes. Yeah, when you were saying, I had the exact same look that I've got now when I was listening to that on the car ride over. Obviously. You're so right about it. What is there to hate in that? But this is the other thing. You know what? The power of the individual. It's the power of the individual. Dude, I pulled myself up from my own bootstraps. Yeah, you did. I am the conservative's dream. But the, and the, you relied on private funding as well? Yeah. Did you No own government funding for me. Well, yeah, no, it was on the dole for a bit. Very little government funding. <laughs> but the spectator, which is the intellectual uh, conservative painter in Australia, they actually did say that. They well, did make a spirited defense of me, and I will thank them for it because they have pointed out the thing that you guys were pointing out, which is that because this is this anomaly that the entire journalistic class doesn't understand. And just before you go further, the other factor that I completely forgot about is the whole free speech issue. So it's the representatives of the, the Liberal Party or just the political class that are saying, oh, this is a bit offensive. He did an Italian accent. Mm. But you're uh, a symbol of artistic freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, this is something else that people need to understand about the idea that the Liberal Party is a party of free speech. That's a complete illusion. Look at their past. They wanted to change the constitution so they could ban the Communist Party. Now, what would that mean if you did that? It would mean that you had the right to ban people from forming parties. That is grossly against the idea of free speech and the idea that you can congregate and share ideas. And what what was their... Why did they want to ban the Communist Party? Now, I think that the reason that they wanted to was because of the Red Scare that was happening throughout the world that communism was taking over. The same stuff that you heard throughout the ages of... Now, before that, it would have been terrorists. Now, it's just... You so, know. But then they're still not sticking to their principles. They're not sticking to their principles. It's like when a conservative might say... You know, I'm I I am very fearful of certain types of speech. I absolutely deplore certain types of speech, but I will still defend your right to to have that speech. But when push comes to shove, do they? And this is what we're learning. Um, what what conservatives or uh, the Liberal Party? Well, this is the thing we're finding: who is actually principled and who isn't. Yeah, yeah. Because I will say this: the Spectator is principled. Yeah. And they sat there and they said that I don't agree with everything the friendly Geordie says. I like the fact that he has like a more complicated, nuanced view than the average, you know, tonightly host or whatever. Um, but the fact is that like, you know, he sat there 
and instead of just doing the whole apology tour that everybody does when they get called a racist or a sexist or whatever, he doubled down on it and he, he rubbed their face in it and uh, they applauded that and they chastised, I think, the Telegraph for wavering because it just shows, again, it's not... The Telegraph is not a principled paper. Mm. It is a complete propagandic tool. It is pro-free speech because the people that it usually defends are the ones saying outrageous things. But as soon as it's convenient for them to flip the script, they'll do it in a second. Yeah. So it's all about convenience. And so this is the thing that I actually hate about virtually, and I think everybody does as well. Don't you think that there is something inherently deplorable in the human psyche that humans don't like it when they see that someone is incongruent yeah absolutely don't you think like people like consistency i think i was mentioning this with um miss love as well people prefer someone who is very clearly authentic uh, even if they disagree with them as opposed to someone who they may disagree with but they're not sure if if they actually stand for those principles I really don't know what it is. I think it must be something along the lines of you get a feeling that you can trust that person because, again, disagreement is a lot less worse of a feeling than being stabbed in the back. Yeah. Yeah, trust is more important than agreeing on everything. Trust. That's what you're looking for. And you know what else as well? The fact that you were saying that I've just got that really stoic, angry Russian face. (laughs) I used to always think that Russians were really rude, arrogant people. And then I was reading that it was because in the Soviet Union and everybody was spying on everybody else that they started developing that really rough exterior with each other so they could quickly determine who was trustable and who wasn't. So the rough exterior meant that you were trustable. And and also, so that was a phenomenon that only came about in the 20th century. So 18th, 17th century Russians were very happy and affable, were they? Probably, man. I, I don't That's know. Funny. But like, you, you go back to the 60s, Australians are completely different to what they are now. They had this weird little like, oh, yes, accent. They did, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you look back at some of those black and white in, in interviews, they had a completely different accent. Yeah. So it, it does make sense because it's all the USSR former USSR states that have that very cold exterior. Yeah. And they are doing that because they know that niceties leads to, uh, you know, drawing somebody in. So it's just this real fucking blunt thing of like, what do you want? That's what they're constantly asking. Gosh. Um, but What a sad state of affairs. Oh, it's, it's a very depressing country, but in it is a lot of interesting things that have come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, like, man, yes, look, I am very happy that Miss Love kept pointing out this phenomenon, which is that I really think that the average Australian, the average person just wants this. And this is the whole trick of the elite press that they're trying to divide people into two camps of people that like free speech and saying whatever they like, and people that like having functioning bureaucracy Mm. and so they try and conflate this thing of like if you like functioning bureaucracy then you don't like free speech i will admit on a personal level now i don't know if this is a a tool of an incredibly effective propaganda model but i feel so much more interested in hearing about culture war issues than i do on actual issues of uh, politics and the economy which is bad 
but there's something that it it just it just it, it appeals to my emotions unlike anything else. Well, and I, I don't know why that is. I know why that is for you, for definitely. You're you're very interested in subjects like psychology. But I think I don't think I'm unique in that boat. You're not. You're not. And the thing is I would be more of a I'm just too autistic to just be constantly sitting there just being like, the tax rate should be higher. You know, like th- that's not yeah. something that most people would be interested in. Most people are interested in the culture war. I think if you have a choice between uh, reading a couple of articles and getting into a lengthy conversation about whether what a public figure said was racist, that is more engaging for people rather than, hey, here's uh, potentially $10 billion that a certain political party may have just uh, taken for themselves. And I don't know why that is, even though that seems so much more pernicious. The, the, the latter seems far more pernicious than the former. But there's just something that appeals even to, to me. You know, I, I, I sit there on social media and I'm on Twitter and I don't want to read statistics. I force myself to, but I want to see what people are saying about Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not the average person. No. So it's no, just, it's just a, it's a sad state of affairs. But look, you've made um a lot of that political content extremely digestible. So that's a look credit to you. Well and, done. And I think that that's just the thing. It's just look, and this is the whole point, right? Uh, even in the attack pieces that they're getting against me now, right? They are going to a few strategists. I think it's just one strategist, but there is this teeny sliver of the Labour Party that detests me, as you would expect in any major party. There is a lot of differing views in it. But that teeny slither, as I have learned over and over again from people contacting me, is a little rump that the rest of the party despises. The vast majority of them want, in fact, just agree with the general principle that it's okay to pay people out for having a different accent. That's one of the tenements of comedy. Anyone who comes from a normal background agrees with that. And what I've noticed from this whole experience is the only people that ever really attack you on, uh, you know, like you said this thing, you're a sexist or you're a racist in the press every single time. You can look, it goes down the aisle. They're always from wealthy, like upper class families every time. White, really fucking white, like really pale and unat- yeah, unattractive. unattractive. Jelly, you even said it. I remember sending <laughs> you an article, and then you said, "I don't need to read this article. I saw a photo of the guy. It says everything <laughs> I need to know. It's it's, pre- it's presumptuous, and I probably should not um, just assume things about people based on their look, which is just quite discriminatory. But every single time." All, all the people that are so caught up about uh, certain things that are always using those ism words. Yeah. They're, uh, they're ugly. <laughs> they are. They don't have a beard. They don't have an immaculately trimmed beard like no. this. I would be far more interested in hearing someone's views if it was, if it was like this absolutely jacked Adonis from the gym that came out and said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a communist and I think... Um, we shouldn't use we shouldn't say we shouldn't use accents at all. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I'm what? Well, I just didn't expect that. So I'd be, I'd just be. It's not that I won't listen to um, 
the others there, but it just every single time my expectations are never exceeded. No. I just look at them and I think, yeah, of course you'd say that. Yep. And similarly on the on the I know we don't like that left right paradigm, but on the right, um, as soon as I see someone going into uh sort of nerdy autistic descriptions about how certain tax rates should be lowered and things, but they're doing it in a very snide and condescending way. It's always a kind of neck beardy, mm-hmm. uh, wearing a suit, no, awkward sort of guy. Yeah. I think that the, the main difference between uh, social media lefties and social media righties is that uh, some of them wear suits and some of them wear really uh, crinkled shirts. But they're, but they're both really unattractive. <laughs> God, you, you're really describing something here. It should be this thing of like, you have to have at least dated three people to comment on politics. Two it could just, just be like a fluke. Opposite. Yeah. No, that's, that's a very astute observation that you do. I know that you are trying to I'm trying. play down your observation, but no, facts I, are facts. I'm really, I want to <laughs> be able, because this is important issues, right? I want to listen to them. I want to learn. I want to educate myself. Um, so, and I still will, but <laughs> I just want to see why. Like, why can't those Insta girls that you see all over Instagram, mm. all the ones doing the TikTok dances, why can't they come out and say, <laughs> this is why a top marginal tax rate should be increased? And do a dance about it. <laughs> Why can't they? It's, just... <laughs> it's always some blobfish with square glasses. Yeah. And um, speaking on the, uh, <laughs> of that, um, we should talk about political memes because you've actually used a, a term that we coined on a pod. You, co- you came up with the term. I came up with the idea of doing a podcast about coming up with terms. But the Common Sense Brigade is now an actual Facebook group. Not just Not a group, only a, a movement. Facebook group, and a movement that you've created. <laughs> to uh, is it just for the Queensland election, or is it just a group in general? Because it started off as I wouldn't even say an edgy joke. It was it was just a an effective moniker that could be used to disparage people who have that very cliche, simplistic idea on all issues, which is oh, we just need some common sense. Even though I've made plenty of references. Uh, on previous podcasts where I believe common sense is necessary on a lot of uh, issues, particularly in the culture wars. But uh, that's where, how it started out. But now you've um, you've transformed it into something else. So how about you give me a little bit <laughs> of a, into a joke? That's about it. Because is, is it still a joke? Like what? how meta is this becoming now? Are the people in that Facebook group aware that it's of its origins, first of all, and also... Because uh, I joined the group and I felt really powerful. Oh, look at that. Look at this and little term we came up with on the podcast. No, and it has 5,000 members. Yeah, I know. With it's one shout out. well. Because I think that people understand. It's just, it sticks. That's the whole thing. As soon as you made that podcast, I started noticing it in my comments on videos that had nothing to do with it. Mm. Of just them saying, check out the Common Sense Brigade Warrior at 505 or whatever, right? Uh-huh. People know exactly what you mean when you. It's mission accomplished. It's, no, it's exactly you. you what you came up with. I came up with the name, but you were trying to identify a way to just quickly get to the guts 
yep. of that particular fucking group of people, <laughs> and and everyone knows what that means. It's just it's it's what you were saying about like social justice warrior. Social justice warrior makes sense. Yeah, it like it, the, there's a reason that it's so successful. It's because everybody can identify. The person. As soon as you say social justice warrior, you think of the people mm. that we were just describing you know before. Exactly these what you're talking jellyfish about. Jellyfish humans. Jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're that far back on the uh, evolutionary timeline. <laughs> the jellyfish. They haven't gotten to the lobster stage yet. It's spineless. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh and well. So I think that just we- briefly. What? Uh, no, go on, and then just tell me, uh, outline what your aims with that group are. Well, yeah, I can go to that because I think that we have just been able to marry a bunch of different ideas that other people in my circle have been thinking about for a while, which is that we are at the position now where we can mobilize a massive, massive ground game in elections. And that would be of great benefit to everyone. And we have all the tactics that the conservative, you know, the, the, the liberals use. Um, one of them is the, the most effective one is that they go into Facebook groups. I don't know, like Lithgo two hundred two seven. All of these, we've got to do a video about this one day. It's those Facebook groups that are just these mini current affairs of like a town, a suburb. I, guess, I know exactly what you mean. You know? I know what you mean, yeah. Filled with boomers sitting there saying like, you know, they said they'd clean up Bruce Street five years ago. It's worse today. Mm. That kind of stuff. Uh, they infiltrate those groups and then they come up with these shit memes with half-truths and they post them there and then all the boomers sit there and go, yep, that's exactly what I said, you know? Do you think you're, because I saw a little bit of, the, the memes are really funny. Like, <laughs> this army of meme inventors that you've amassed is is fantastic. And they are Always on chance. your videos as well, you, you do meme reviews and your fans seem to come up with such a plethora of memes. It's it's really it's impressive. <laughs> hands hands down, if you're listening and and you're one of those people, you you make some good memes. They're always very funny. Um, do you think it's gonna work? First of all, just because I my initial thought was, it's so entrenched in um a certain sector of society's minds that uh, common sense and the quote unquote left don't go together. Mm. So you're really fighting against a couple of years worth of uh, media fuel there. Yeah, but that's the beauty of irony. It just completely fucking burrows under any defense, doesn't it? Uh Like if you just sit there and just say, yeah, we're the common sense brigade and you're saying it sarcastically (laughs) and there's like, no, you're not. Like anything they say just instantly becomes funny ammunition for you. Right, because they're arguing against common. If you can frame it with enough power and say we are common sense, we are common sense. Yeah. Oh, so you don't like common? And then they're like, no, that's not. Oh, so you don't like common sense? It's the exact same tactics as. uh, So if you're not a racist, you'll agree that speech should be limited. Well, oh, so you're racist. Yeah. It's just that same attack. The way that it's framed is. Yeah, we got to come up with more like that. I had a few ideas. Um. What was my oppression obsessionist? Yeah, that's right. Which is just the one I talked to you about a few weeks ago, which mm. I'm sure the name gives it away completely. 
Yeah. People just constantly reduce everything to these, uh, you know, parameters of one group is oppressing another group. And look, there's a conversation to be had about that, but it's not everything. And so therefore the name oppression obsessionist. Yep. I think it rings. No, uh, I, yeah. has a good ring to it. I rolls think so off too. the tongue. And then what was the other one? Oh, yeah, um, it might already be a thing. Uh, booty feminism, where like girls will post a photo of their ass and be like, I'm empowered. <laughs> like, I'm a scholar. <laughs> this is a political statement. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not shaming no. you for it, but don't, I'm shaming you for turning into into a political statement. I'm not even shaming them for that. It's just the same thing. It's just that, like, you're not doing it for that. You're doing it for likes. Just say you're doing it for likes, like all the big Instagrammers that show yeah. their ass to. Exactly. So those were some other two I, I came up with uh, over the last few weeks. But Common Sense Brigade has clearly taken off. People know. Ex- I love it's, it. It's that. It's just people know what it means. Mm-hmm. And we've got merch on the way. Yes, we do. Yeah, it might even be by the time this podcast comes out, it might even be out. It will be all on the Lonely Kids Club website, but if not, it'll be soon. And it's it's hilarious. Uh, uh, well, a it's a flannel. I mean, <laughs> what, what do you? Hey, expect? not just a, don't undersell it. We've also got mugs. We're gonna have some mugs. Yeah, <laughs> like every fucking person that has these earphones and this microphone has on the net. We we are selling mugs. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> like, we need mugs, dude. There really should be. It should be a name for specifically us. There's way too many of us in the world now. Don't you reckon? Let's just have a conversation, people. Yeah. <laughs> Let's buy these um these mic. These it's this specific mic as well. They release this mic just for people like us to make podcasts. Because you can get those real fancy ones, but no, this is a good one that still does a good for value for money. This is the perfect mic, but you can still hear some of those pop sounds when I do the peak. But you know what? It should just be called Good Enough, not Road. <laughs> <laughs> and Zoom should be there. Boom because there's so many hard Bs and Ps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've bought, I'm getting the windsocket soon. So uh, yeah, don't worry, listeners, if you're uh, p- pissed off at all the plosives <laughs> p- p- that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> And I do know there will be like some people that are very pissed off Peter at those. Peter picked a peck of pickle peppers. <laughs> <laughs> Suck shit to you guys. They're just people That's what who you get know about audio. Ears. Yeah, <laughs> they will be really pissed off. They'll be like, "These are two of the biggest YouTubers in Australia. Can't even get a proper fucking windsocket on their mics." Well, yeah. Look, we're we're ceding to your demand, so you've got nothing to complain about. Buy a mug. And the flannel as well. I do yeah, really like the, the design. Thank really you very hilarious. much, Warwick, for doing it. Yeah, it, it, well, uh, the design actually came. I will. I'll say it on not the next podcast, the one after. But the design actually was originally came from one of our listeners on Instagram. Yeah, and I have to say, thank you so much for it. Yeah, in fact, I think, like I said, I don't want to get it wrong, but I don't have my phone with me now. But I will uh, announce that on the. I'll reference that in two podcasts time yeah so anyway thanks for listening to that long extended <laughs> conversational ad and there will it's be plenty was, more of those it? to come <laughs> <laughs> how can we monetize this <laughs> um but yeah what so what's the is that oh, fuck essentially the, the are you okay just every time i just start 
slowly, subconsciously, this is the end of every podcast. And you keep Just trying to back. make some. The mics aren't that good. They can't pick you up from back there. Um, so, so what is the so is the goal essentially just to create memes that you can put in in Pretty Facebook much. pages? Is that really? No, look. Do you other... think you're devaluing uh, the intelligence of boomers in the same way? You remember when Hillary Clinton in 2016 was like, "Pokemon Go to the polls," and you just know that all her cringeworthy advisors were thinking, "Oh, this is popular with the youth. This will get them." They don't talk about actual issues. No. They talk about Pokemon. Do you think uh, that boomers, well, not just boomers, but people in those sorts of Facebook groups, the, the, what the average Australian uh, will fall for, well, not fall for, but be convinced by memes? Or will it just be, yeah. do you think it's you're not really there to convince people, but you're just there to add extra ammunition to the overall messaging of um one side being of common sense and the other side not. Look, it's, it's already proven to be correct because people are sending us snapshots of, you know, that garish meme of some muscly cunt doing some like a open sea fishing. Yeah. And then there's just that muscly kangaroo with glasses in the corner and there's just a big cross on Deb Frecklington and it says, Oi, Deb! How the fuck are we supposed to fish in the reef if you kill it? And then there's all these comments underneath it being like, He's fucking right. How are you supposed to fish if there's no fucking fish? What a dumb cunt. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it does work. And I'm just... <laughs> Can you send that to me? Yeah. Dude, I, yeah, gladly. That's uh, It's one of my proudest job. accomplishments. Even though I didn't come up with it, someone came up with that meme. It's honestly one of the best memes I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and it's just, it's infiltrating all of these pages. And I think the thing is, the people just need to understand this about arguing. You identified it once in a podcast. I can't remember when, but you were saying that if you are ever arguing with someone, and this is what, this is genius on your end, because then I was talking to this barrister as a result of all the shit that's been going down to me recently. She, she's, I... I'm forcing her, I'm buying her a mic and a Zoom thing and I'm making her just sit there with a brandy and just talk. The stories she has Mm. are incredible. She is a defense attorney for criminals and she has defended some people that are guilty as fucking sin in her life and she has all of these incredible stories. And then on top of that, like you've got so many people off that are innocent as well. Um, But anyway... She was saying that she's one of the best barristers in Australia, really distinguished, constantly in the papers, public enemy number one, if you look up her name, it's just constantly tarnished because she's, as you will learn when What's you... What's her name? Her name is... No, actually, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Yeah, okay. But... Uh, she's in the papers. She's in the papers. Okay. I'll, I'll say that, but that could be a few barristers. But um, her point about arguing was incredible, which is that... The way that I get my client off is not by arguing it to the law. I find out what the argument is of the prosecution and then I just look at it and I say, this is by your own metric. This is your what you're arguing. Mm. By your metric, he's innocent. It's what you need to do because you are... Uh, you are, um, They clearly val- have an ascribed set of values, hence that is the... That is what is causing their. That is what is creating their argument, and you're just turning those values back on them. And exactly. Saying, okay, by these values, then you would support this, or you would agree that 
X, Y, Z. Yes. And so in the same way, if the values are common sense, telling it like it is, if you're saying, yeah, well, this is common sense then. This is telling it like it is. Whereas if you say, no, you're stupid, you're... Uh, you've been duped and you're wrong, well, of course they're going to get defensive and that's yeah. not going yeah. to be effective. No, that's the way you do it. And I, I really find this, first of all, we're just so grateful that you gave us the opportunity to nut out that name because that's been a, a huge advantage because it's got this great thing of two things going for it. The first thing is you're saying that, right? Their values are common sense. Uh, the other one is... Our generation loves ironic memes. And so you're combining the you're two. You're combining together. the two. You're combining the two. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> but also the fact that you were sitting there and nutting out, you know what I've noticed works when you argue on their terms, not on your terms. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you argue on your terms, then you actually give, if they were an effective communicator and, and, and knew about arguing, it gives them an insight into how to defeat your argument. Mm. Mm. And I think that the other thing is as well is it kind of actually just shows a level of respect because the thing is, look, I pay out people that are part of the common sense brigade, those boomers or whatever. And this is the other thing, just as a quick stipulation about your other point, in no way I am not the average Gen Y person that you, I only use the word boomers to be down with the kids. Like I actually think that there's some really, really smart switched on boomers. Like a lot of the stuff that mm. we came with the bros video, for instance, look, Christo's great. He's an incredible researcher, super intelligent, but, uh, and, and, you know, does, does a better job than I could on those researching, like virtually anyone. He's, he's a genius, but there's also a lot of genius boomers out there that have done some real in-depth investigation themselves and just mm. no outlet to do it. There's, there's very, very, very intelligent people that are, you know, in their 60s, obviously. It's just like everyone else, like every other generation. There's going to be really smart people and really dumb people. Yeah. You're hitting dumb boomers. That's what yeah. you're hitting. And the yeah. thing that's different about a dumb boomer to a dumb millennial is that their brain has been decaying for like 40 <laughs> years. <Okay. laughs> it's just true, man. Like when you are arg- – have God. you ever argued with a boomer in the – in, in, in a comment thread or anything like that. They're With, just not on the same level as you. You're just like, dude, I'm beating up a toddler here. Mm, there's is- a certain species of boomer that have just become so beaten down by life. And I think they've had one too many drinks. Oh, yeah. Every day. <laughs> and they just look finished. Yeah. I think yeah. their brain is finished. Yeah. Yeah. I again, I'm not saying everyone is like I, hell. I know some people who aren't probably in Gen X that would probably fit that description. Uh, maybe even Gen Y. Now, you know, Gen Y is actually turning forty, mm. so we're not that young anymore. Mm. Um, but they just look beaten down. There's just you know too many divorces. Mm. Mm. It's a type. whatever's happened in their life. It doesn't look like it's been pretty. <laughs> And it shows on their sort of that weatherboard, leathery face. Yeah, school of especially hard the and and the the women, couchy. Yeah, pudgy, not morbidly obese, but definitely flabby, hmm. wrinkled, but not in a good way. You know how some people can age very gracefully, and the wrinkles are endearing and not quite in their cute. Case. No. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of angry. one species of dog in their Facebook displays. Just angry, angry people. Mm-hmm. Fed up. <laughs> I'm fed up. Fucking head. 
I'm Deb and I'm fed up. Deb. Something happens with as you age, you go. There's 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 a there's a fork in the road, and people either become really grumpy grandmas and grandpas, or they just become the sweetest, kindest, most loving elderly people that everyone adores. But there's very rarely an in between. Like I've got one grandma who fits one side and one who fits the other <laughs> side, <laughs> and that's enough anecdotal evidence. To prove that <laughs> old people, people are either bitter and angry and detestable or they're sweet, loving, kind and just want to spend time with their grandkids. It's all just about uh, if, you're, if you're grateful for the life you've lived. That's all that is. All if you feel like that you've yeah. been hard done by... I mean, they even use those phrases. Well, I'm from the school of hard knocks. No one ever gave me a leg up, but raised on a sniff of an oil rag. They, they yeah. really make an identity out of the fact that they had it tough. And they probably did. They probably did. But the thing is that they see the world through this thing of just yes. being like, fuck it, you know? Yeah. I don't think that's even exclusive to that generation. There's definitely people in our age bracket that certainly fit that mold. Yeah. And usually they didn't have it tough. The guy's trying to get into a fight. You don't know what I've been through, cunt. <laughs> what have you been through? <laughs> Well, you got a DUI or, you, you know, you lost your job because you tried to hit on the fucking Maccas, <laughs> the manager. <laughs> okay, maybe you do. No, and then again, look, there, there could have been some um, abuse and things there. Actually, you know what? I don't think then you'd go like, oh, you don't know what I've been through, mate. Would you go on and announcing it like that if you actually endured real hardship? See... I don't think so. That's what I've noticed. I've actually noticed the people that usually have gone through. Well, you know what? No, it's it's actually kind of different because look, the circles that I am in, the people that have overcome adversity in life, uh, they they've obviously been elevated in society. So I actually don't know what it's like in rough neighborhoods. So they, th- those people actually do probably just have really bad lives and they probably are cunts, you know. But if you are from a rough neighborhood and mm. you got to a swish neighborhood, you- you've had to overcome a lot of hurdles to get there. Mm-hmm. So usually you are going to be like a really humble, nice, grateful, appreciative person. Yeah, usually, yeah. But I guess if you just stay there, like you're kind of just, again, it's the thing that we're always talking about. You're allowing your environment to shape your reality. I have... Uh... Two friends, again, this is purely anecdotal, but I have two friends that um, are polar opposites in the way they perceive the world and their general cynicism and positivity. One is, um, let's just say, one is a totally glass half full kind of guy and one is a totally glass half empty kind of guy. And the glass half full kind of guy, he once told me, uh, he went on this kind of two-hour tirade about his upbringing, and not only his upbringing, his parents' upbringing. You you can't even write a film about the stuff he had to endure. Mm. It's really dark. Mm. All the worst things you could possibly think of happening happened. Mm. And he is one of the happiest, most um, mindful, positive well, you know, good-spirited people I know. Mm. Very calm, just a very tranquil person. Not a pushover either. 
he's uh, really mastered emotional intelligence. Whereas another guy who and they're and they're in similar industries. Um, he grew up very very wealthy, and is in his late twenties. Still lives with his parents. Um, he's complaining all the time, all the time, and has all your classic. Look, I'm not trying to devalue mental illness here or whatever, but he has anxiety. Yeah. I don't think it's (laughs) real. Yeah. (laughs) I think he just needs to toughen the fuck up. Um, (laughs) And he is always on these different weird diets and things and is just an unhappy man. Yet the difference in lifestyle and upbringing is unparalleled. And again, that's just purely anecdotal, but I just always, those two in particular, I find very, very interesting, the comparison. Yeah, it always reminds me of the quote of like, uh, you know, uh, the stronger the breeze, the harder the wood. It's always a thing that I, I really do think that that is something that happens because everybody that I know, that was actually a very interesting thing about going to Newtown was that because it was, and I'd imagine this is the case in a lot of selective schools because they are all just based on like a merit that they're getting into on it. You do get people that are from the absolute upper echelons of society and the bottom. And every single kid that I know that grew up rich is a cunt. And they're, and they're doing so bad in life. And really? every last one of them. There's none of them that are grateful. Mm. They're all massive druggos. Um, they're, they're constantly whining about how badly like they've, they've gotten it in life and shit like that. Mm. It, it actually just starts to decay the human being because they have had no adversity in life. Nothing. Mm. And I really think that that is a thing that when you look at the people, like the, the journalists that are attacking me at the moment and stuff, you, you look at them every single time. Rich parents got their job because of connections. Everything in life is like that. And then they come across me, for instance, and Christo, who asks them one question that's like, you know, very fucking simple. Like, dude, anyone who's remotely street smart, if you asked a lad, say, for instance, like we we're just talking about that, like, have you, John Barillaro or something like that, how we yeah. were just saying, have you had, how Christo was saying, have you had any connections with John Barillaro? You know, any lad, even if they had, be like, don't know what you're talking about, cunt. Who the fuck's John Barillaro? Like, that, that, that'd be the, the instant response. Yeah. You know, because they, they're street smart. Sure. It's like I saw that so many times in the comments. There were so many people being like, dude, just lie. This is painful. Like, the fact that you just give him one, not even tough question, really, really simple grill question, like the, yeah. the lowest of the low. And his response is like, oh, I, I want to go. I don't, I don't want to be on your video, you know? And then he's yeah. just coming on like, you're a fucking pussy. Fuck you. Like, and then he's just like, <laughs> like you know, goes yeah. away. Like, dude, anyone from the school of hard knocks, if that was the response that they were getting, they'd be like, fuck me. Fuck you, dog. There'd be a completely different interaction. It's just <laughs> daddy isn't that? there to hold their you hand. You that voice so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, well, a lot of uh, people in the media and polit- pol- political class, I would assume, would have gone through that kind of upbringing. No, that's not to say, look, there's plenty of people who have grown up wealthy that have had to face adversity. It just probably hasn't been financial adversity. Um, and on average, um, it would be fair to say that the lower your socioeconomic status, the more adversity you generally face. But I also think it can go both ways. In 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 that. 
in 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 that example as well in the same way i said with the grandparents either incredibly humble generous kind or just sadistic and bitter and angry all the time i think if you have endured extreme hardships you go one of two ways you either become extremely grateful and humble and you look at the bigger picture or you just become like you said like one of those school of hard knocks lad slash gangster types like anybody looks at me the wrong way i'll fucking bash them cunt like yeah, it, that that, that is, is someone who has probably endured some things that I wouldn't know about. Yeah. Or they're posers. <laughs> but I don't think, no, you know. It's pretty you can obvious tell, to tell the difference. You can tell a poser's never going to go that far. Yeah. If that, look, a poser who's a lad that's mugging you will just be like, give me a wallet count. And you're like, no. And like, oh, come on. That'd be the end of it. <laughs> Hardcore cunts in like Macquarie Fields and stuff are just like, give me your wallet. And if you're not, and just like, it's not a question. They just put a knife to your neck. There's a difference. <laughs> that sounded like you've actually. <laughs> well, I've just. That firsthand. Not firsthand, but there was, was kids that have specific. been mugged by those two. They got mugged by lads at Waverley. And then there was other ones that got ma- mugged by fucking Bankstown boys, you know? <laughs> and, and, and for any non Sydney listeners, that's just. Waverley's a rich area. Bankstown's not. (laughs) Although it's actually, I think it's gentrifying. I think Punch Bowl is now where you don't want, it even has punch in the name. I did a gig in Bankstown and because Bankstown's the suburb, when you're in Sydney, Bankstown's the suburb you always make fun of. Uh, It's one of many, but every city, I know the suburb that, you you know, Brisbane, it's Logan, Melbourne, it's Broadmeadows, Adelaide, it's uh, Elizabeth, I think. Perth is ah, uh, fuck, dude! You're really giving away all the Perth. all the tricks Yo, of the, the trade oh, here. Yeah, I'm sure that even though every show they love it when you reference oh, no, hometown. every time. Oh, what's Perth? It's um Logan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the easiest laugh of the night. How does he come up with it? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Perth, Perth, Perth. This is gonna kill me. I think Armadale is one of we them. We haven't toured in long enough. No, yeah, exactly. I, I'd just be able to rattle these off a year ago. I think it's Armadale um, in Perth. Yeah, maybe. That rings a bell. And I know Rockingham is a little kind of satellite town of Perth that people make fun of. Uh, but anyway, I've completely... Yes, yes, yes. So I because I always use Bankstown as the suburb to reference and I was doing a gig in Bankstown, I was like, oh, geez, what do I do? I had like three jokes where I needed a suburb mm. comparable to Bankstown. So I used Punchbowl which is a neighbouring suburb of Bankstown. It's just the same thing, I thought. But mm. they loved it. They <laughs> laughed so hard. <laughs> oh, man, that's really happy. I'm really happy to know. Mm. Because, yeah, I think I did that once as well. I think I did a gig in Bankstown, and then I just think I said Bankstown. <laughs> and then everyone was... I suppose everyone kind of had that, like, yeah, no, we suck. Punchbowl <laughs> is the Bankstown of Bankstown. Okay. Yeah. How could it not be? Uh, but I uh. still like Bankstown. It just sounds dodgier to me, even though the other one has punch bowl in it. Yeah. I don't it, know. It I guess it's ran, just like an association. Runs off your tongue. Well, maybe as it rolls off the tongue, but it might just also rolls be like you, you've associated with it because of your, your childhood or whatever. That, that's the dodge place. There's something there. Um, it's very Sydney-centric. One other question I was going to ask is, what do you think the future of not just the Common Sense Brigade and um, that particular movement, but 
political discourse in general with social media, already we've seen it completely transformed over the last 10 years. What do you think the future is? Do you think the side with the most effective memes will eventually win? If you have the meme king, it's like having Rupert Murdoch <laughs> in your camp. Holy do you think shit. that's the future? Dude, honestly, I've never thought about it, but I think that you've just stumbled across the uh, the, the holy grail. That's what, what you want. You, you just, just want, want the fucking the meme best meme. meme artist in the country, and that, that is going to win you the election. election. Because if you think about it now, Telegraph headlines pretty much are just memes. Sorry, front pages. Every time. Yeah. It's always just a picture of Malcolm Turnbull dressed as a clown. Mm. They're just crap old boomer memes. But, but if you get... Dank memes on your side. And that's the other thing that you realize about these boomer pages, right? They're not reading the Telegraph anymore. No one fucking reads these papers. Dude, no one reads. On front pa- no one reads. But I was on the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald on its, like, main circulation day. It's a huge deal. Uh, well, 10 was, years ago, it was, was a huge deal. Yes, but and nowadays, the Sun dude, think about well. this. That's this the big so, version of it. Yeah, it's the Sunday. It's prime time version of papers. My grandma would have seen you. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. All, like <laughs> my Jewish old neighbors were just like, is it true what they say? You know. <laughs> yeah, but, she would have been upset that I associate with them probably. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's just so em- emblematic of our times. I walked in to buy a copy of it. And the guy at the front said, oh, Friendly Geordies. Yeah, big fan, man. Yeah, that'll be two bucks. Now, he works in the news agency. He knows who I am. He didn't notice I was on the front page of the fucking Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah. Yeah, the newspapers have really lost their influence, haven't they? They're gone. They're just an extra tool in the machine. All that still has, it's still, they still have some effect because they're the revered, all the revered journalists that set the tone for the issues that people talk about uh, still work at those institutions, but they're definitely, they definitely are in a, in a bubble and, and an echo chamber. I'm sure there's some brilliant ones there, but the culture that is, uh, seems to be espoused by it, And on either side of politics, it's, it's a very ivory tower elitist vibe that I get from anyone who's a mainstream journalist. Yeah. Well, that's the, and they, I can tell you from first-hand experience, they all have exactly what you think, exactly how you imagine them. But I will say that you're right, there is a certain prestige to it, because I remember just just the smell associated with it, because the only time we ever used to get the Sun Herald was when I was like eight years old, so you just smell it and you're like, ooh, official, smart, you know? And I open it up, I'm reading an article about myself in it, and I'm just like, wow, I'm a cunt. I mean, this smug fucking cunt with glasses here thinks I am. I must be. That triggers off in your head because it's in the newspaper and you've Mm. just been associated from a young age that that's the document of truth. So authoritative, hey. So authoritative. But the other thing they have in influence is just kind of messages to the rest of the press, like Mm. people that work in television and radio. They just read the paper and they say, like, this is the the, the agenda for today, you know? I think a byproduct of Trump's messaging because... uh, the internet is so global and 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 the sort of the, the cultural alignment of many disenfranchised people in Australia with the Trump phenomenon has created a little bit of that same feeling of the fake news 
And I think a lot of people who might be voting for your Pauline Hansons or even the Liberals or even just working class Labour voters who don't like the political correctness but will still stick to the Labour Party, they also have this idea that, oh, the news, it's all got an agenda, it's all fake news. And look, they're not entirely wrong. But I think that Trumpian idea of the fake news media has rubbed off on Australians as well. Do you agree? Yes. Yep. It, he's really coined it. People don't... I think, but again, this, it's not, it's again the same thing as like the common sense brigade. Like we might have coined that, but everybody had an understanding, a yes, general okay. understanding that that that's was there. Yeah. And so that's the genius of Trump that he's just able to name something and give it like, you know, this, this shape yes. that everybody has kind of just observed in their mind. Yes. It would have been, there would have been an inkling there before, but it would have also, I think, influenced many other people. Mm. To, to say, oh, hang on. Yeah, they are a bit fake. Mm. Mm. They are a bit dishonest. Mm. Mm. And the beauty of the Common Sense Brigade is you hear something like that and you can't tell if it's actually a, a joke or not. If you didn't know the history of it, no. if you just saw a pamphlet, mm. those pamphlets actually look like they would have been given out by an, some sort of Bush independent mm. saying this is the common this is common sense and this is why you need to vote for me. So if you were if you were a Labour or a Greens voter that w- wasn't aware of you, which would be pretty impossible now, but wasn't aware of the history of that group, you would read something like that and think, well, this must be a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I want. I think that reaction will be funnier. I know. Because <laughs> uh, the thing is, like, do you... Fact. <laughs> it's very... The fact. It's very... It's it's a current affair on a pamphlet. <laughs> well done. you got to have the Australian flag colours. Yeah. Now, that's an addition I can get behind. You should just... You know what? I think just putting an Australian flag onto any sort of political pamphlet would automatically influence people. This is such an emotional association that people have with the flag. I hate that. I hate that our flag does that. Yeah, but every flag... Our flag does it far less than other countries' flags. No, but other countries have a positive association to it, but because of our, like, whinging cunt press that are always sitting there being like, "Mm, shut the British flag in the corner. Shut the fuck up. No, but I think for the uh, people in the the common sense brigade, I think for... uh, Oh, they'll love that. Lower middle class, more uh, nationalistic type of people they want to see the flag oh yeah. they hate that people are questioning the flag yeah yeah, yeah. so if you add the flag to it like, go all out have the flag yeah and then have have like the opponent the political opponent all looking like a in the horrible cartoon making them look as ugly as possible with with like xi jinping in the background with his hands yes. in Just go all out with it. Holy hell. Yeah, the China thing. If you say, nah, this is the party that is associated. I think it's the flag and the common sense and like this is the party associated with China. Fuck, Those things are the, are the things that people, that resonate yeah. with people, I, I think. No, I, you're right. That's so true. And okay, and then every time you show Anastasia Palaszczuk, just put like a Holden car in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah. 
Holden Carr in the corner. What the fuck else would they like? Ham and pineapple pizza in the other corner. Um, what, 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 <laughs> beer. What else, what else are burgers like? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. Although then it could get to... Then I think even they would think, oh, hang on a minute, this is pandering. But I the China thing know. and the flag... The China thing they'll love. Mm. No, you, you never... Look, you can never underestimate the stupidity of certain people. And yeah, I don't think all bogans are stupid. I don't think all people, boomers or, or, you know, boomers in this common sense brigade are stupid or whatever. But so many of my early videos where I was very clearly mocking and not only just mocking, aggressively really attacking a certain subsection of society, they were the ones that ended up becoming the biggest fans, fans. of that particular Every video. Every time. And again, that's what the and elite don't understand. And you know why they don't understand it? Because they're the fucking elite. They don't actually hang out with these, like, you know, cultures that they're protecting. They, they don't know any of <laughs> yeah, these yeah, people. Yeah. yeah, there's that. The um, Just how out of touch. It's the same thing, like, well. with Yilmaz. How we're Every fucking of... time. Like, it's just so many Turks come up to me and be like, yeah, bro. Yeah. I don't know. They, look, no, they they are the ones that are out of touch. I can assure you. But speaking of, are we out of time? How long has it been going for? One hour. Yeah, sounds right. How about we end this with uh, a fan question? Sounds good. Um, by the way, if you haven't already gotten the message, you can subscribe to this podcast, neilkohacker dot com slash podcast and we've also got a new gift for everyone who does the one dollar two dollar or three dollar podcast there's going to be a discord an exclusive discord for subscribers only and if you don't know what discord is it's just a forum where people can message and interact with each other but only if you subscribe so subscribe support the podcast one dollar a month what's the worst Ooh, what's going on in there there's only one way to find out exactly now um all right, there's another question for you. Everyone's asking questions that only Jordan can answer. Um, this one comes from someone from uh, Queensland. Would rather not be named. And <laughs> Wimp. <laughs> fucking pussy. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for your money. Okay, this is the question. Jordan often mentions the big four banks. Can he elaborate on how they are controlling Australia and it is detrimental to us? Can we do anything to fix it? Now, that sounds like a question that you could probably go on. I could go on for hours, a long time. But yes, if we have, say, 10 minutes, if you could summarize an answer to that question and uh, and I'll try to ask some, some follow-up questions. Well, I'm just going to get very conspiratorial about this, but just, just understand this. Banks control money. Now, when COVID first came out, what did they do? They went straight to the government, the Reserve Bank, which everybody says, separate to the government. It's the same thing as the ABC. They say it's independent. But who fucking allots who's running the ABC? The government. It's not independent. Anyway, they went to that. As soon as COVID outbroke, what was the first thing that they said? We want quantitative easing. Now, quantitative easing, everybody always says, you know, it's much more complicated than this, and it is much more complicated than this, but a short summary of it is they are just printing Printing money. money. Just printing money. Mm. They print 8% of Australia's GDP. What did they do? They gave it to the big four. What did the big four do with that? They held out on the money... Didn't spread it out to the places that they were supposed to be spending it out, which was just people that needed to keep their mortgage repayments going and stuff like that. They were waiting for bidders like BP, ExxonMobil to come in and say, hey, we want this cheap money that you have access to now because we're going to 
borrow all of that money now while it's like basically worthless. We're going to wait until the economy kicks back in again. That money will be worth more. And then we've just gotten free fucking money, basically. And Can I ask one question just, just quickly to interject there? Uh, a lot of uh, uh, commentators I listen to on, on YouTube as well who are American talk about how a lot of the corporations in America are just looting the treasury and the government there often gives huge bailouts to corporations as opposed to the people. Now, I know this isn't the same as Australia, um, but the argument against that is that if you give, if you keep a corporation afloat, it keeps people in a job, whereas if you just give money to the people, uh, they might have a certain amount of money for a certain amount of time, but they've lost their job. Do you think there's any merit in an argument like that. No, because the exact opposite happens when you, and this is what Kevin Rudd proved when he did that in mm-hmm. 2007, that was seen as radical. Now it's just global practice, but he gave out a thousand dollars to everyone. Why did he do that? Because what happens when everyone gets a thousand dollars, they go out and spend it. That's yep. what keeps people in a job. If you give money to corporations, what they do is they say, oh, okay, uh, we're just going to hoard it, which is exactly what they did in COVID. We're just going to hoard all this money. Uh, on top of that, we're just going to put out all of these people onto JobKeeper, even though we can still afford it because the government just gave us huge bailouts. We're just going to make the government pay again the staff wages of our um, employees. So they were doing it on both ends anyway. Mm. So that argument's just completely kaput. But then the other one is that... um, they use that opportunity to just cry poor and say, oh, yeah, no, we need to cut back on all these people and just, like, made mass redundancies that they otherwise couldn't have if the circumstances were different. Mm. It's so, you know... So they're not actually keeping people in a job then? No, it's the same thing as always. It's just it's just another variation of the trickle-down theory, which is that if you make the extremely wealthy even wealthier, somehow everyone else is going to get richer. Mm. It, it actually works the exact opposite way around. Well, that's not a very free market concept is it if you're handing out giant checks to corporations because there's nothing free that's not allowing the you know competition to take place no it's they they, so again this is an actual i don't think that's free market free speech anyone that uses the word free they're just a fucking marketer there's no such thing as a free lunch these things don't exist Mm. it's so true though anyone that ever uses these free terms they're lying. Well, but aren't they just not living up to what they say that they value, which is... Oops, sorry. Which, no, that's right. Which is a, um, a free market, but they're not actually allowing the free market to... There is no... Look, the thing is, free markets just do not exist. It can't exist. There always has to be some intervention in it. You're right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, there's always got to be some intervention in it. There's, there's any market that is free eventually starts getting its own government in it anyway. I mean, look, think about it like a country that doesn't have a government. What happens? Warlords take over. That's a form of government. It's the same thing that will yeah. happen in a free market. Somebody will just corner the market and then they will own the market and have a monopoly on it. And then they kind of just become a de facto bureaucracy in it. Like these, that's the whole thing, right? There's always going to be a referee. It's just who's that going to be? And usually it ends up being the person that has the most resources in that. Um, mm. But anyway, like when it, comes to, when it comes to banks, the major thing, I think this was best summed up. I can't remember which economist I was talking to, but he was just saying that when I first went to Canberra, I was amazed at how many lobbyists there are in Canberra. As in when you're walking down the corridors of Parliament House, 
Really? He said you, you, you trip over them. There's that like ingrained in. Yeah, there's like seven or eight, just like always in everyone's office, just on this oh, constant gross. rotation, walking in and out. Yeah. And and, and most sorry, of those are from just the banks. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but a lobbyist is essentially someone who's doing the bidding of corporations, trying to get a, a government official on the payroll of a corporation or a business interest so that then they can uh, enact certain legislation that's beneficial to who they represent. Yeah. Okay. And what a shit job. I think that <laughs> I think that now uh, is worse than real estate agent. They are the scum of the earth. Lobbyists wow. are. It's one thing to be the billionaire at the head of the business. It's one thing to be the politician. But the lobbyist, yuck. I know, that rat. <laughs> Human rats. Oh, God. That's them. They are scum. You're so right. They, they are scum are of the earth. The worst. And they are. They are. They act that same role. That fucking useless middleman. Yeah, they, they, uh, they are like the real estate, real estate agent agents in that. Yeah. in that real estate agents of power. <laughs> oh my god! So that's them. They they outweigh huge influence there. Like they were saying that the vast majority of those are from the big four banks anyway. So it's mining and the big four banks. Those are the huge. Vast majority of lobbyists that are influencing in Canberra. The big four banks, uh, you know, apart from controlling money and having all of these lobbyists, the other thing is because as a result of that and the fact that they are constantly getting in a government that is extremely sympathetic to them, as in even when they had their royal commission, what did they do? They said, no, we're not having a royal commission for two years straight. Labor was pushing for it all that time. Then when they got the inkling that Labor might win the next election, all of a sudden... They decided, okay, let's have a royal commission. Here's the commissioner that we want. Here's where you're allowed to look into. You're only allowed to look into these parameters. And instead of it running for two years, it's going to run for a year. And it's only going to be in these areas. And what do you know? Malcolm Turnbull, the very next day, said, we are doing a royal commission. It's only going to run for a year. It's only going to be looking into these areas. And this is the commissioner. So because they have a lot of politicians in their, essentially in their pocket, and they can set it up. they can they can set the agenda and they can sway government policy and they can sway government to... policy and dude and, and you know as much as i hate these I terms you know if you're going to say a capitalist society or whatever whoever controls the money in that society controls society banks control money um again very briefly what is a solution or the solution <laughs> do you think there should be a lot of small banks just your local branch and they're all just small businesses? Or do you think uh, banking should be run by the government? Like what is the... No. In fact, I used to think that it should be run by the government, but then I was just reading about that guy that I was talking about before, Jack Lang. I'm doing a video about him. He's just an incredible public figure in Australian history. But the government used to own the Commonwealth Bank. And when the government owned the Commonwealth Bank, it was worse now, it is that little free market argument, which is that like it, they, they could just have the scum of the earth in there and it didn't mm. matter how bad they performed, 
they were always bailed out. Like now they're always bailed out anyway, but at this point it was just like you could not fail. The game was just so stacked against you. Mm. Um, so they were always in power. And so it was just these old boys that controlled the Commonwealth Bank and obviously they'd always want the Tories in and so they used to actively campaign against the Labor Party. Now it's all behind the scenes. They used to just actually just be like, you know, sponsored by the Commonwealth Bank. We hate the Labor Party. Like it used to be completely different. It was well, at worse. Least that, if it was transparent, people would appreciate that more. Someone made difference. a good analogy where, you know, with uh, F- Formula One drivers, how they have their sponsors on their on mm. their shoulder. Mm. At least if politicians had the same, each of the corporate mm. emblems on mm. their suit, then at least people could look at that and be like, okay. That's why they're saying that. I see where you're, uh, who you represent. And it's true. There's definitely truth to that. I do think that that's actually a really, it would solve a lot of problems. Even though it's like half a joke. But that's kind of always the same with jokes, isn't it? It's just like, look, there's definitely some merit to it. I think that uh, when it comes to the banks, if you, I think that the the best solution to it is, and it's the same with superannuation, is that knowing that these institutions actually control society because whoever controls money controls society, you as an individual can switch your bank as I was saying before, to Bank Australia. Bank Australia only invests in renewable energy. It has really good return on interest because it's like set off of ethics and stuff, and that might change when it becomes bigger. But at the moment, it's way better than NAB and Westpac and fucking ANZ and Commonwealth that have been proven in a commission that was set up favorably by them and it was still proven that they were doing things that caused the global financial crisis and mm. have been ripping off people with Down syndrome and anything. That just any any crime you can imagine, yeah. they found it. And so there's those smaller banks that you're talking about, credit unions and stuff like that, it completely changes the game if more people go into it. It's the same with superannuation. You can change society if you change where the money is. There you go. You, well, again, you're making a... A principal conservative argument, you as an individual can take your money elsewhere yes. and give it to a much more efficient firm providing yes. the same service. But I will go further than the conservative and I will say that you can tell your friends and family to do the same thing. You have that agency to convince others. And that's what the Common Sense Brigade Absolutely. is actually all about. Well, yeah, you have the free speech to, to use it. <laughs> you use it, bro. <laughs> Um, all right, we'll, we'll wrap that one up there. But Jordan, it's good to have you back. And good to be back. Thank you for listening, guys. If you haven't subscribed already, make sure you do. And like I said, uh, there's a few paid subscription. There's a few ten and fifty dollar paid subscriptions left. Only a handful. So get in there while you can. Neilcohacker.com/slash/podcasts and join the Common Sense Brigade Facebook group if you haven't already. Um, we will see you next time. Bye.